Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the Africa Business of Sport podcast with myself, Adam Spio, and my co-host, Jabu Umtua. This is part four of the Hashtag Sports in- Industry Insight series with the Johan Cruyff Institute on their four masterclass webinars. This episode is based on the webinar titled, How Do Football Decisions on the Field Impact Business Decisions in the Club? We know that it's very important for the club to grow on the pitch more than off the pitch because it is on the pitch that will attract more revenue and more business. Jabu, what do we have for our audience today? Clearly a masterclass around football decisions on the field and the impact on business decisions in a club. And I think one club who is a perfect example to just slot in into this conversation is Brighton and Ove Albion the Premier League club who have been doing exceptionally well this season and their alignment throughout the entire club and the succession planning that you've seen, given the fact that their head coach and most of the staff had left on top of their recruitment staff and their directors all leaving and going to Chelsea. But the succession planning that is clearly there, not only on the field where you see Roberto Di Zerbi doing even better, I feel, than Graham Potter in his little time that he's been there. And on top of that, the directors who have come in to replace those that had left that although this has been a seismic change for the football club but because there's systems and structures within the club then there clearly is a consistency that has continued for them and you've seen that through their results i think that's a club that we can look at and we can see this webinar through that prism of brighton and Albion as a good example in terms of how business decisions on the field and off the field are so interconnected with each other, Adam. One thing, Jabu, that links both the success on the field and success off the field is culture because your club culture on the field would impact the kind of people that you bring in through your academy, the kind of people that you bring in through your business side, the identity that you want to move through it with the kind of business you want to bring through. And it makes it very easy for you to replicate regardless of the individual. And that is what we've clearly seen that after Potter and his staff, his backroom staff left, they were able to get people who fit into the culture, who fit into the way things are done at Brighton. And for me, just huge, huge kudos to them. Another club that we can see on the negative end of both the business on the pitch and off the pitch is Everton, with how they've been very terrible under their current owner, with having... I believe the last seven managers not even being there up to two years where there's a yo-yo with new managers coming in every time, anytime they, they, they experience any form of loss. Last season, we saw that they were in the relegation battle for a very long, for a very long time. And it was literally a last gut save that brought them up, let me say, above the rele- relegation zone and to be in the safe space. But now we can see that this season, they're back there and they're back battling. And just as we saw last season, when they were facing issues, they kicked their boots, they kicked their manager out, which is really sad. And you can see how it's impacting them off, 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 off the pitch where not a lot of people want to associate with the club now. I believe they're struggling to finalize their branding with a new stadium. And it's really not good on their overall performance and global outlook. Should any sponsor or any investor be interested in the club right now, of course, their own pitch activities will affect how much they would value the club. 
and what they can be sold for or what they would decide to invest in should they be interested in everything. If I may add on that, uh, Edom, is you clearly see the demise of Fohad Mashiri, the Everton owner, and the way in which the club has been operated over the past few years, that not only are the managers failing and are leaving, but also higher up in decision-making structures. You see two sporting directors who had resigned because there's a misalignment within the direction of the football club. So Steve Walsh, who came in from Leicester after they won the Premier League as director of football, quickly left soon after. Marcel Brands, who is now the PSV sporting director, also left Everton Football Club due to the misalignment of those decisions on the pitch to the business decisions that are in the football club. So I think, you know, Everton, unfortunately, are a great example for how not to run a football club over the past few years. And I think you can get a lot of insights into how you can correct those mistakes or new strategies that you can imply to that by listening to this webinar by Dr. Oliver Seeds. Another thing to our job, we can clearly see that once again, culture comes into play with how not to run a club with everything where there's no alignment, like you said, with their on-field decisions and their off-field decisions. A club that went through that for a brief period of time was Manchester United when they had Ed Woodward, who was making very wrong transfer decisions and it was affecting how managers were utilizing their players with their different strategies like and Baha when he came through, Moreno when he came through, only when he came through, Rangnick when he came through. But when we saw that there was a transition away from Ed Woodward to somebody who understands how to do the transfer business and brought in the right coach in Eric Ten Hag, you and I can just see that United is on the rise, rise, rise. And I would not be surprised if in the next three to five years, they may win their Premier League. When we take even national teams, you and I can see that the highest performing national teams within the last 5 to 10, 15 years are teams that have dedicated them themselves into developing not only a culture which is forward-thinking and sustainable, but investing in the right technology, investing in the right tactics, investing in the right structures that will come in and improve their game through data, through understanding the role of a player and bringing in the right people as per the manager's request and as per the playing style. And, and these are the clubs, these, sorry, these are the nations that are doing very well. We have England, we have Germany, we have Spain, we've got Italy, we've got Brazil, Argentina. These are countries where they invest into improving their national team as well as how normal clubs within leagues improve. But we can see with Africa, some of the big teams on the continent, which were very famous some number of years ago, are slowly losing their credibility because they are not doing the right thing with investing. They are not doing the right thing with having a forward-thinking culture. And we can see that the country on the continent that is doing the right thing, which is Morocco, actually got its recognition as being the only country to enter the semi-final stage of the World Cup from the continent. And kudos to them. Fantastic job, if I may say. The Morocco Football Federation is an institution that we should be looking at as African countries in terms of how to develop sustainably and really heavily invest in your sports infrastructure and how that spills over to your women's national team, as you can see, of how well they're doing and them reaching the women's AFCON final in the past year, as well as, as you say, the performance of Morocco at the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. So I think that's also, you know, a good way to wrap it up, to bring it home 
on the African continent by looking at clubs and national teams who we feel are doing really well in terms of the alignment of football decisions on and off the pitch. Once again, do enjoy this except titled How Do Football Decisions on the Field Impact Business Decisions in the Club by Oliver Seats, who's the head of business intelligence at United World. This, once again, is an episode in partnership with the Johan Cruyff Institute. Hi, everyone. Hope you are well. Uh, welcome to this webinar on how do football decisions on the field impact business decision uh, in a football club. My name is Oliver. I'll be your host for the next uh, hour or so. Uh, pleasure to meet. And it's always a big, big pleasure for me to be uh, hosting one of those webinars with JCI, uh, Shirley, one of the leading uh, sports education institutions across the world. And it's always a very big privilege for me to be here and also to be involved uh, with the organization, uh, which I have been for, for a few years, uh, very, very great years. Uh, so uh, just so you know how, you work, uh, how this works, uh, you can... Uh, there's a chat uh, box and a question box, and then uh, uh, you can ask uh, questions or and either in the questions or in the chat, uh, and I'll be happy to answer them uh, as we go through. And my hope here is that uh, we can explore a little bit um, this area of, of decision-making in football and the connection between what happens on the pitch with what happens off the pitch, uh, which is one of the, if not say that the most important questions uh, in football business, one that maybe in the past uh, five years, 10 years ago was, was a very big question mark everywhere. But now uh, you can see a uh, few developments happening across the world. And there's a reason for that. Um, and I'll discuss these reasons in a bit, uh, but you still see uh, big examples of clubs that still struggle with this balance between what happens on the pitch and, and outside and outside the pitch, and how how do you conciliate uh, uh, both things and how you can profit from both things? But let me explore this uh, more in a bit. So basically, one important thing in football. To know is there are two a club is uh, often split into two um, business cycles let's call it this way um, once the natural business cycle which is you know you as a club you sell an X amount of tickets let's say you say sell 5,000 tickets per per game uh, you have sponsors that will pay you 200,000 euros per year. Uh, you sell 5,000, 1,000 kits uh, in the store. This is what happens you know, on average. That's your average. Uh, if the team is performing a little bit good, a little bit bad, uh, this is what uh, you have. The salary range of the players will go, I don't know, between 
50,000 per year to 100,000 per year. Uh, and uh, uh, the contracts will last for two, three years, maybe for the players, the coach will earn between five to 10, this kind of thing. You know, you have a very stable business. Uh, with this business, you perform okay, you perform bad sometimes, good sometimes, it goes, and, and this is natural, right? This, this is uh, your fan base and the community, they will go to the match, uh, any match anyways, uh, if it's raining, if it's sunny, if the team is winning, if the team is not, it's losing, that's kind of like the average thing. And that's that's the natural cycle, right? That, and this is the size, normal size of a football club. The problem is, uh, football, we are often... Uh, talking about not only talking about but uh, we are perceiving football always in this high performance uh, business cycle that's when you're winning everything right you're winning uh, you got promoted or you're you're you know you're, you win a trophy uh, you're qualified for champions league you win 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 and when you're winning oh, everything's good and uh um, you don't have 5,000 people, you have 15,000 people going to the, to the stadium, you're charging sponsors uh, uh, 1 million per year, you're paying salaries at uh, 300,000 uh, per year, you're buying players for 500,000, you're paying coaches 200,000 per year, etc. That's, you know, and this is something that people want, uh, normally want in football because they want to be a high performer. Uh, uh, club, you want to be a big club, and then the club put all the resources into this high performance cycle. Right? You're gonna win if you win, you're gonna attract more sponsors and more money. And more money, you're gonna sell high players with that money. You can more, bring more uh, high expensive players, uh, like high performance, very expensive, you know, a bit, a bit older players. And but because you're gonna win more than, than this, you know. You grow into a very the scenario. You will go from a regional club to a global club in the space of five years. Right? This is the dream that people live on, and this is often what drives uh, clubs' investment. Oh, they want uh, to be this high-performance clubs. But the problem is in football, and I will explore this more in a bit. Is that uh, this is kind of a, 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 a this is the scenario that everyone wants, right? Uh, everyone demands that, uh, fans demand that, the media demands that, people that are in the club, they're obsessed by winning. Uh, football environment is very competitive. People want to win all the time. Um, if you have uh, like lots of former foot, former sportsmen uh, working for the club, they are very highly competitive people. Uh, so they demand that, right? Uh, I'm just gonna share with you, uh, so this, uh, I will not go into this, of course, uh, but this is uh, kind of the the, the, uh, the flow chart of how football works. Uh, we explore this more uh, in in in, uh, in the other courses of DCI. Uh, so I highly recommend you to to subscribe to that. But uh, important thing here is just uh, this: right? uh, the way the business works in football, you have players that. Uh, they form a team that they, they play matches that they, they they try to maximize performance to obtain glory. With glory, you generate something called the BIRG, which is the basking reflected glory. That's drive what drives people in football and the, the fans. Everyone wants to win, and when you win, everyone is happy because they are basking in your the reflected glory from the team. 
um, and then also that generates prestige to the community, to the owner, etc. And fans are very happy. And then because everyone is very happy, that feeds into you generate more revenue, and then the product is happy, and etc. Um, so that's what that's how business the football business works, right? That's how people. That's no that there's no escape for this. Right? Um, so expectations are always high, and it's impossible. Uh, uh, to isolate a uh, business decision from 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 on pitch results, it's impossible in football. And right? uh, sometimes you think that's especially when you're getting uh, my experience, or, and I've seen friends doing this all the same. And when you get to work with a football club, once you say, "No, we have to do a business," you know, football is one thing, and the business of of, of a club is another thing entirely. There's no dissociation. There's no, it's impossible to dissociate. And if you try to do that, you're gonna fail miserably. Uh, because whatever happens on the pitch, uh, if you're winning or if you're losing, affect, affects a lot what's happening uh, uh, on, on, on the business side of football and then the financial, on the decisions that you make. Uh, because if you're winning everything, everyone's so happy. Uh, you can do whatever and people will be happy, you know. You can, if you're a marketing executive, you can launch whatever campaign. If the team is winning, everyone's like, ah, oh, this is a beautiful campaign. Uh, but if the team is losing, you can create the best marketing campaign. It will not work. Or whatever event you make or whatever whatever you organize. Uh, if you're giving discounts on ticket prices, uh, if the team is winning, everyone say, yeah, that's fantastic. You know, club thinks about the community, doesn't want to uh, maximize ticket prices. Yeah, that's very nice. If you're giving discounts to ticket prices when the team is losing, uh, people will say, Ah, that's terrible. That's a shame. You have no shame. Uh, you're selling yourself, etc. You have no value for the club and this kind of stuff. So, it all it's impossible to isolate uh, because the scenario uh, uh, when you're winning, everyone expects. Basically, what happens in the rule uh, is it's, uh, not scientific rule, but uh, by any chance, but. If you win between three to five matches in a row, people expected that you're going to win all the following matches. If you lose three matches in a row, three to five matches in a row, people expect you're going to lose all the following matches. So if you three, if you if you win three or five matches between three to five matches, uh, that's the glory. Right? Uh, everything will be good, and everything uh, you you will be competing for the title. If you lose three to five matches, everyone gets desperate. It's crisis. You're gonna get relegated. The club's gonna go bankrupt. It's insane, uh, and this happens everywhere. I, I've worked in and with a lot of football clubs in a lot of different parts of the world, and I tell you, uh, from my personal experience, it happens absolutely everywhere. It's part of how the brain works, how we approach football. So it's impossible to isolate. Uh, so you always need to be planning, right? Uh, yeah. Part of, of being a good uh, football executive is, is be able to rationalize things, to make rational, um, explore this more in a bit. Uh, you need to be, um, uh, uh, you need to understand that you may win or you may lose, and this will have different outcomes to the decisions that you're making now. They, they, they will have, uh, 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 intangible outcomes because of, of, of people's uh, 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 behavior. Uh, they're very happy or very sad inside a club. It changes everything. But also financial. Uh, 
uh, if you win a lot, you're gonna make money regardless. Uh, if regardless of how you organize, you're gonna make money. If you lose a lot, you're gonna lose money regardless of how well organized you are. So, so it's you need, but you can't plan this. You can't understand how much money you're gonna lose, how much money you're gonna win, and then you analyze risks and and and. But in order to understand the different scenarios, you need to understand uh, these risks associated with winning or losing. Uh, because, uh, and this is what I, one of the things I want to explore, winning is never, never 100% guaranteed. Never, despite, regardless of the investment you make in a club, it's never 100% guaranteed. And losing is also never 100% guaranteed. So um, there's always margin, uh, percentage, of 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 likelihood of different scenarios, and you have to be able to 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 maximize your your results in a football club professionally. You need to be able to foresee those, uh, understand. Oh, maybe it's it's sixty percent. It's going to happen. This forty percent happens. That and if a scenario A happens or scenario B happens, you need to be prepared and and be okay. Right? You need to know what what you're going to do. Um, but how do you manage risk in football? That's a big question. And basically, it's a, it's a, it's a constant battle. Uh, and I, I recommend you doing this uh, from now on. Uh, when you're seeing football happening, uh, seeing football discussions, try to figure out, is, is it reason or is it a reasonable discussion or is it an emotional discussion? They're two very different things. Usually, my experience, uh, they are emotional. Very, very not a lot of people that thinks football uh, reasonably well there's not a lot of people that think the world reasonably uh at least to say football right uh so it's very hard to find a reason in football people are often very emotional talking about football um they don't want they don't care about the arguments they don't care about uh they want to win either to win the discussion because you know or they're feeling like impacted for whatever happened. They are either very happy or very sad. So there's a lot of bias uh, um, into whatever most, most, most of, 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 of decisions made in football. And one part of the difficulties of the work is how can you remove of this bias to make sure that whatever decision you're making uh, is the best one, the most likely to succeed uh, in a different scenario. And a better of the reason and emotional is to know and always know uh, for working in a club it's never as good as it looks, but and it's never as bad as it looks. It is always somewhere in between. Um, and this is uh, because how we think, uh, and this is scientifically proven, and the way that we think, we 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 have two uh, sorts of thinking. Uh, one is the instinctive thinking and the other is the rational thinking. Uh, when we think with instinct, those are fast thinking. I'm not explore this in a lot because um, uh, this is something that uh, can be explored a lot in the, in, in the future uh, in, in other JCI courses. But when you're thinking with instinct, you're, you're thinking fast and it's quick, it's split second. And football, if you play football, uh, football is a game that you have to think with instincts. You don't have time to, as many other sports, you don't have, really have a lot of time to think on whatever decision you're gonna make. It needs to be fast. So it's unconscious, it's automatic. 
Um, so you, you're playing football, you, you know, sh can't stop and say, should I shoot? Should I pass? Maybe I should dribble. Maybe I should go backwards a little bit. You don't have time to do that. And by the time you think that, you, 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 someone else scored a goal. Um, so, but that's the way you play football, and that's how you think, right? You, you don't have time. And then often people translate that into the business side of football when whatever decision they have to make, they, they, they make it quick. Um, should I sell this player? Yes, let's sell it for 10 million. Or what's the price? 10 million. Or, ah, no, maybe eight. You know, that's a two million difference. It's a big, big difference. Uh, but you see, football, this is how it works. Uh, because that's how it used it is uh, used to happen, uh, and but you have to again try to to make use of reason uh, as much as you can. You know, but to think reasonably that takes hard working. You know, you have you need to have a lot of information, a lot of data points. Uh, it needs to be slow. You know, you have to consider a lot of things. But uh, in the end, uh, it will be a much more. Uh, uh, a much better decision because it, it will not, it will never be a hundred percent right or a hundred percent wrong. But uh, the chances that if you're thinking with reason, the chances of you getting right is uh, much much higher than if you're thinking with instinct. You know, sometimes you make instinct decisions and they're right, uh, but often these are have to do with luck uh, rather than process. So you you repeat that in future decisions, and then it works. It doesn't work. Uh, it goes, uh, you start to make bad decisions. And, but you use the same structure for your decision-making process as you, as, as you did when you were right. So you just repeat that. Right? Um, and you like the fact that you're right. Uh, but when you're thinking reasonably, uh, it's much better. But reason demands critical thinking. And critical thinking demands uh, questioning. And people don't like to be questioned. So you need to question everything. Uh, whatever decision is going to make a question, if this is the right one, don't we have a better decision that we can make? And again, this takes time. This takes the involvement of more people. Uh, and this is something that goes into conflict, a lot into conflict of, of the way often decisions are made in football because it's instinct. There's a lot of ego. There's a lot of many things. Uh, people like to make decisions by themselves. Um, but... Yeah, uh, if you want to do this right, you need this. This is something that uh, it's a sine qua non condition. You need to do it. Uh, just a little bit on football knowledge. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons, because still, especially in football business, there's not a lot of science behind it. Even football itself, uh, the game, it's it's difficult to understand. Uh, so there's a lot of very superficial logic that uh, uh, impacts people. Like, uh, oh no, you know, the team won because uh, uh, the coach showed an emotional video with the families talking how much, how important it was to win the match. Um, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really make sense, but uh, people, you know, they're sustained on this kind of logic. Uh, so let's give a contract for this coach because he does this, right? Um, it's very, very hard because to understand, uh, I will explore this more, but you kind of need to know uh, that there's a lot, of, lots of things in football that you don't control, that no one's control, no one controls, right? There's a lot of things that no one knows. 
it was such a difficult game to understand. So, so difficult um, that uh, people like to think uh, that they know how the game works, uh, that they know why a team won or they know why a team lost. It's impossible. I'll explore this more. Uh, and often, um, again, as I said, people are very emotional. So, so if the team won, they, if the team lost, they want to fire everyone, everything's bad, etc. Uh, if the team won, they want to give new contracts to very bad players and this kind of stuff. Um, and decision-making is often, because it's, again, emotional. It doesn't take a lot of data and consideration. Uh, in process, I would hardly recommend, especially the first book here, three books that you 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 can read uh, by order of of importance. Right? Uh, most importantly, Think Fast and Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. This guy won a, a Nobel Prize for this for this book. It's 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 life changing book. Uh, the way that you uh, that, but you need to read it. It's very hard to read it. They have this some uh, i think it's a lie but they said 95 percent of people that start this book never finished right? but it's very important not to just read once you have to read a few times because it, it, it's interesting it makes you think and then super forecasting it's much easier uh reading um, um but it's very important to understand decision making because when when you make a decision and then uh, that this is very important the idea of decision making so you're, you're making a decision now for you, you always make a decision for something that will happen in the future, either like a very near future, like one second, or a very long future, three years ahead. Um, so decisions are based on predicting, on forecasting the future. You make decisions because of what you expect will happen. Um, to forecast something, you need to understand the trends, the backgrounds, etc. Um, so that's what I make, right? And so, so think of decision making whenever you make decisions about forecasting what's the best scenario for you in the future, either short term or long term. Right? Think of this way; it's very important. And then I have Nate Silva, Sino and Noise. It's it's a good book. It, it has some flaws, but but it's also an easy read. Introductory, uh, very good. But uh, again, uh, if you could, if I could just recommend you start from the left to right, that would be uh, 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 the most most uh, uh, recommended thing. So I, I like to work with four uh, principles to run a football club, and then how impact decision making. And again, we have decisions about forecasting, but decisions is what you do right? when you work. You make decisions. Uh, unless you're, it's like a very manual job, but often if you're executive uh, working in the business or working managing something, it's about decisions, right? uh, how you make decisions. And understanding decision-making is one of the most important uh, skills for your personal development. Right? Uh, so I like to think uh, to give this four, based on not, um, my studies and my experience, four principles to fundamental principles to, to, to run a, a football organization. Uh, first one, uh, this guy uh, is Maddox, uh, John Maddox, uh, the manager for, head coach for Chicago Cubs that won the 2015 Major League Baseball trophy. Uh, and this on the left, you have his roster for the match, uh, his, his roster sheet for the match. And then you can see there, he wrote a few things. 
uh, on his roster. Uh, on the sheet was the name of his father. Like he made like a few thoughts, and one of the things that he wrote is this DNBAFF, which he often writes and reminds himself uh, uh, because he's making decision right when when you're writing the roster for the most important game for Chicago in Chicago's hub, Chicago Cubs history, which didn't win it. Chicago Cubs hadn't win a, a trophy since inception and that's like 150 years uh so it's, it was the final match one of the most important if not the most important match this guy ever coached in uh he reminded himself of this uh, because he when we're selecting players you're making decisions about which players are going to play um and he he wrote d-n-b-a-f-f uh, which stands for uh it's uh, do not be a fucking fan, right? Do not be a, a, a fan, basically. Uh, uh, so he needs to remind himself, uh, do not be a fan, right? You're making a decision. You're the head coach. Do not, do not be covered by emotions right? because fans, the, the connection, which it's not <laughs> by no means, if you're a big fan of a club, uh, you understand that by no means your relationship with the club is rational, right? It makes no sense. And it's emotional. It's something that only you understand. And no one else understands. It's it's not reasonable. If you put it but in paper, it doesn't make any sense. No, so so be a fan is being emotional, right? Relationships emotional. Uh, uh, but if you're doing business, you need to be rational. So it's the complete opposite. So do not be a fan. Uh, because fans are emotional. Fans make, uh, uh, on the end of the matches, they break things. Right? They're very emotional. They fight people. You know, I know, I know. I have friends that when they enter the football, they are very reasonable people, very nice, polite people. Once they get into the stadium, something clicks. Right? <laughs> they become someone else. Uh, they become very emotional, like very angry. They, they scream all the time. <laughs> uh, so don't be a fan. That's one of the that's one of the most difficult parts. Uh, if you if you if you like football a lot, it's usually because you're a big fan of a club. And if you're going to work for that club, you have you have to stop uh, thinking. You can still be a fan, but you have to stop thinking like a fan, right? uh, because again, fans are emotional. So you, you need to research a lot, uh, read constantly, uh, make uh, again take courses with JCR, uh, filter the information. Uh, whatever you're learning, you have to think critically. Don't don't believe that uh, 100%. Make sure that you, you think for yourself. Um, find good and relevant data. Uh, think critically. Review and evaluate. Build your argument. And then finally, once you've done this, all of this, then you make your decision. This is the process, to, this kind of the process of decision-making. You have some, you have an idea. Well, first, Study a lot, then you you're gonna have a you will come up with a good insight based on the information that you have, uh, uh, and then uh, review that insight, uh, evaluate, question, talk to other people. Then you make an argument, analyze it, and then finally you make this. Fans don't do that, uh, but you, if you're gonna work with a football, uh, uh, yes, that's something that you need to do. Second. Uh, Everything, know that everything in football is about winning. Right? It doesn't matter. Um, every decision that you make, uh, it needs to be about winning. Uh, not people demands 
the, the fans demand winning, regardless of the size of the club, a big club, a small club, they want to win all the time. If you don't win, there's pressure. Uh, people do not care about anything else than winning. Winning is the fuel of football. Not winning itself, but the expectation of winning. People are there because they expect to win. They are competing to win. And you need to know that uh, nothing that you do in football that doesn't go with the sense of winning uh, uh, matters. So when you're working for a club, if you're not... then But the difficulty is how you, you need to know that you want... This is incorporated, right? You, you plan, you want to create a winning culture, a winning club. But what do you want? Do you want to win now? Or do you want to win in the future? Uh, right now, let's say right now, your chances of winning are low. Uh, do you sacrifices? Do you sacrifice all your resources to make your current uh, chances of winning higher to win now? Or do you plan your resources ahead to make sure that in three years' time, your natural chances of winning will be will have increased significantly? Right. This is how you, uh, the different approach. Uh, in the past, everyone was about winning now. So people would find money, usually the connections between money and winning. So they would sacrifice resources in debt, the club, uh, uh, whatever financial sorcery was needed to win today. Right. But what, what's changing now is that uh, and it's our approach. Uh, you don't sacrifice anything to win now. Winning now is not, we want to win, but not now, not sacrificing the future. We are not going to jeopardize three years, five years time of the club to win at this very moment. We want to win in three years, five years. We don't, and we want uh, the club to have higher chances of winning in three or five years. We don't want to sacrifice everything just to win today, right? and this is this is quite a difficult thing <laughs> to do in football because everything is about winning. Right? So, so people don't have patience, uh, and that's what drives people. So you, you wanna, and I, ha, I, I tell you from personal experience, it's a constant experience. Uh, it's never easy to tell. You know, some people they, uh, I think. People that are not highly involved with the club, personally involved with the club, they take they understand this more. Um, but people that are, you know, their hearts and souls have been with the club for a long time. It's hard for them to understand that, that you're you're saying no, no, we're you know we're good this year. It's not. Uh, let's take it easy. We're we're building for the future. Uh, people are not very patient. Uh, uh, no, well, this is just to show that. Uh, you know, such is winning and the importance of winning that uh, attendance. And this is from a book from 2009. Uh, and, you know, teams that win, they have much higher attendance, much, much higher attendance than teams that don't win, right? It's, 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 it's very clear. Um, so that's why people want to win. Uh, and again, this, uh, this is from 2014, I think, picture. Uh, protest from Newcastle United fans uh, complaining from previous ownership, uh, Mike Ashley, uh, that uh, they say, hey, congratulations, we are balance sheet champions.
but we don't win anything on the, on the pitch. No one cares about the balance. The fans don't care about balance sheet. But if you're working for a football club, balance sheet is the most important thing that you need to care about. Uh, and how you how you uh, maximize your chances of winning with the balance sheet that you have today. How can you increase your balance, improve your balance sheet for the future, and will, that will give you more conditions to win. Third, this is the Dunning-Kruger effect. Uh, this is uh, more uh, personal advice than anything. Uh, it's, but it's a very important uh, uh, principle to, 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 so you can thrive in the industry. Uh, Dunning-Kruger effect is a theory uh, that uh, explains the relationship between knowledge and confidence. Once you get to know something, um, let's say you, 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 you start learning how to play tennis, for example, right? Uh, just so we escape football for a little bit. Uh, once you start doing tennis classes, uh, uh, there's a chance, normally what will happen is that uh, your confidence, your inner confidence that you're becoming a good player goes much quicker, grows much quicker than your actually quality as a player, right? That's, uh, so you see that X is Y go to as confidence and X is X is confidence. Uh, uh, so, or, or uh, let's change it a little bit. Uh, uh, you're learning finance, right? Your investment. Uh, uh, you, 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 you start learning uh, and your, your belief that you know what's happening, uh, your understanding finances grows much, much quicker than your actual knowledge. So what happens at some point, you get very confident that you know a lot. What happens at what's called their, uh, the peak amount stupidity is that sometimes you invest a lot of money and then you lose that money because you don't know a lot. You just think you know a lot. Uh, and then after a while, well, as you expand your knowledge, you start thinking, oh, I know nothing. Uh, I know very, very little things about this. Um, so then you start to get desperate. Uh, and that's what your know, value of despair. Often people will leave uh, uh, finance, will stop investing at this point. Uh, but if you, if you keep progressing, then uh, it's called the slope of enlightenment. It will actually, uh, 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 your knowledge will become uh, aligned. Your confidence will be, become aligned with the actual knowledge that you have. Uh, so in football, it happens all the time. People start working with football. They start learning about the behavior of football, and they get very, very confident that they know what they're doing. The decision, oh, I'll sign this player, sell this player. Uh, I say a lot of buy and sell players because this is the most important driver of finances of a club. This most, the most important decisions that they make in the club is on buying and selling players uh, and the, the amount of salaries you give to these players. Uh, um, but what happens in football? So you get in and then you go to the, this time where you have a lot of confidence, but not a lot of knowledge. And often people stop there uh, in terms of acquiring knowledge. They just stop there. Right? So they just become very stupid. So and there is a lot of stupid people in football. You would be surprised. They make very stupid decisions because they believe uh, they know, but they need to keep going. And I highly recommend you. To, to if you're on that point, hopefully not, uh, continue to know, and then you get desperate uh, because you think you know nothing, but at some point you will conciliate this. Uh, so it's important, personally important to know. And fourth, um, and this is the most important, I think, uh, 
as, as understanding that football, this number, 45%, this is a very important number. And 45% is the scientific uh, uh, conclusion. Uh, that's the chances that uh, a team uh, with the, the underperforming team uh, will have like a team below the table is playing a team against a higher position on the table. The team on, on the lower position of the table has for one single match a 45% chance of winning always. Uh, this says that football is highly unpredictable. You can be a very, very good team and play against a very bad team. Of course, when you play, like, for example, yesterday, uh, PSG played uh, amateur club. It's not 45%, right? But it's never 100%. There's always a chance, especially from in the league, you're playing with similar level teams, always a chance. You might have the best team, uh, 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 but you, it's, winning is never guaranteed. Football is by far the most unpredictable sport. Uh, that's why people also like so much football, uh, why betting houses love football, uh, because it's very hard uh, to predict the result in football because there's always a chances, chance of different, uh, of, of unexpected results. Uh, from our own research, uh, and this, this, is, this 45% is from this article, uh, from this analysis from 2006, uh, we did our own research at the United Road and we came to the conclusion that uh, uh, even if in, in, situ in matches, when your team is extremely dominant, uh, like you really dominate a match, even on these matches, the chances of winning, it's not higher than 80%. So that's, if, you, if you play, if you control possession 70% of the time, if you shoot 20 good opportunities on goal, that's still a 20% chance that you're not going to win that match. And that the reason for this is because football is very, very random. Uh, it's very, very unpredictable. This is something that you need to know if you're going to work with football. People don't like this idea that you have no control over football outcomes. Um, and, that foot, and that you have to think football as an event of probabilities. It's, it's everything that you do every decision that you make in football is not about winning or losing, but it's about increasing the chances of winning. But even if you increase the chances a lot, it will never be 100%. You can do whatever you want. You will never have 100% guaranteed chances of, let's say, winning a league or winning a cup. Even cup, cups are even hard. Leagues, you have more matches and the likelihood that you're going to finish in the drop, but let's say you have a very good team, the best team in the league, the, the likelihood that you're going to finish on the top three positions, it's high. But the likelihood that it's going to be the winner of the league, it's never 100%. You have to be prepared for that because if you're not, uh, then everything that you do makes no sense. Uh, it, it's, it's, it makes absolutely no sense uh, because if you're in the business for, of winning, and you think winning 
is a controllable event. It's something that you can you you can guarantee by the work that you're doing. That's going to be a hundred percent. It's going to be a hundred like perfect reflection of your work. And you don't win, and you consider that a failure. It's impossible to. Work. So know that football is random. A lot, lots, lots. There's a lot of things in football that happen that you cannot predict. Uh, and it's always about probabilities. But to be able to do that, you need to have a lot of knowledge to understand how to calculate probabilities in football. This goes into a much, much more uh, uh, complex uh, conversation that needs a lot more time, but you can do that. Right? But you need to do that. And again, not something that clubs are often used to. Uh, to understand, you need to understand with the randomness of principle of randomness, you have to understand the, the law of large numbers because uh, one single match, if you have a, a, a one single event there, one single match, football match is highly unpredictable, but the more matches you play, uh, if you expand your sample size, then the likelihood of winning is much like higher because uh, you're increasing the sample. So the more matches you analyze, uh, the more matches as you use as a basis for for, for whatever you're doing, uh, the less random uh, it will be. The more matches you analyze, the more reflective of your true quality that will be. Even though it's never a pure reflection, it's never a guaranteed reflection, you will always be affected by by randomness, even in a, in a big sample of matches. It's, it's like a coin toss. I just think point to go ahead after this and, and, and play coin toss for a little bit. You'll see that even though it's 50-50%, it's never one uh, head, tails, head, tails, head, tails, head. Sometimes it may get head, 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 or tails, 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 like a sequence of 10 tails altogether. It doesn't mean that the probability is not 50%, it's still 50%, but you, know, you need to play a lot of matches of heads and tails to reach that exact number of 50%. Uh, but then there's mathematical discussions, I'm not bothered with this, but this is very important to know. And then you have regression to the mean, which is also very important because if you have a bad team that's overperforming, the what will happen in the future is that if you if you win three matches in a row that you shouldn't be winning, uh, you're gonna lose a lot of matches that you shouldn't be losing, right? So this will have footballs like this. And it happens all, and you cannot make decisions on the peak. You cannot make decisions on the bottom. You need to make decisions based on average. You need to analyze what's the average situation or the average scenario to make whatever. Even even if you're analyzing players, you have to analyze players by the uh, mean on average, not by their peak performance or mode of performance. How how do they play? Uh, if you're gonna sell a player, if you're not analyzing a coach, it's always about. So, but this you need a lot of data points. You need a lot of interpretation. Um, and in the end, the question is, how can you grow a football club if the business is driven by emotional decisions, influenced by results that are highly impacted by randomness? This is the question in football. Um, how can you work in an environment like this? And my only uh, answer to this question is, be calm and reasonable. Uh, just take your time. Uh, try to, you know, don't get involved with emotions. Be be rational, uh, and, and just make sure that the things and when you're making decisions, uh, the only thing that you need just need to make sure is that you know you really know what what you think. You know, 
right? You don't, you're not guessing. You know what you know. Be, be critical. Think about it. Uh, uh, review your knowledge all the time. Right? Make sure you know what you're doing. Uh, and because if you don't know, it's not any, nothing makes sense. But hopefully it will. Okay. So this is uh, very much uh, our hour. Uh, uh, I know that in the end, the, the main question is how decisions on the field impacted, business decisions impacted everything, because football is about whatever happens on the pitch. So thank you. Uh, you can email uh, uh, the Crawford Institute, whatever contact you need, and the Crawford Institute will send it back to me at campus at crawford.org. We have many courses available, and I hope uh, you will join us uh, and we can see each other in a bit. If you have any questions, please feel free to ask. And we still have like very few minutes to go. Uh, so write fast. I know some of you are writing, so write quickly. Uh, but it's been a pleasure uh, to be here with you. And, um, you know, United Road, it's, it's out there. Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, and we can chat more, right? And I can try to help you with whatever I can. Um, so, yep, I think, uh, Osana, uh, this is very much uh, what I have. If you guys don't have any questions, then, uh, again, it's a big pleasure to have had you here. And I hope again, once again, we can meet soon. And there you have it, the final episode of our hashtag Sports Industry Insights series in partnership with the Johan Cruyff Institute. That was Dr. Oliver Seitz, who gave us a masterclass on how football decisions on the pitch impact business decisions of a football club. Adam, how much did you enjoy that? I really, really enjoyed listening to that because it made me just think of so many teams who are examples of the things that Oliver was sharing and looking at the fact that Oliver has worked in so many clubs, nations and associations within sports, he would have a very good understanding and experience of the people who have been examples on both the good side and examples on both the bad side. I do believe that if you're really interested in the business of sport, both on the pitch and off the pitch, whether you're a coach, you're a manager, you're a branding expert, you're a strategy expert, it's important for you to get the certification and the knowledge in order to improve your ability to be an exceptional person with your performances should you want to work in a professional setting. So I would suggest you go on the Johan Cruyff Institute website and access their football business courses and degrees, courses like course in football business fundamentals online, course in introduction for fo to football business online, course in strategic planning and football online. You can also access the, their masters at the Barcelona campus in Spain, master in football business in partnership with FC Barcelona, also in Mexico, Mexico City, Master in Football Business, Mexico City. And also at the Lima Campus of Peru, Master in Sports Management and Football Business Lima. Another master you can access online is a Master in Football Business Online. And that is the final episode 
of this incredible series. Thank you so much to our friends at the Johan Cruyff Institute for this brilliant partnership that we've had and essentially to give more people knowledge around the football and sport management aspect of the sport that we all love. This was an incredible series that we've aired over the past few weeks and definitely hope that you took a lot of value from it. In many final words to the Johan Cruyff Institute and just the value of the series that we've just done with them. I'm so grateful to actually have this opportunity to do a commentary on all the webinars because the Johan Cruyff Institute is one that I've looked up to even before pursuing my master's in international sports management. I have always loved the fact that they've been forward thinking with their approach to bringing the business of sports to people who are passionate, people who would love to work in the sports industry and also being consultants with bringing business solutions to people out there and also being an institution that just brings passion to play. I'm always saying that our ability to bring passion to play is extremely important. So thank you very much, Johan Cruyff Institute, for partnering with us and enabling us to bring your webinar masterclass to our podcast. It really is indeed a blessing and we are truly grateful. Once again, thank you to our audience for enjoying our hashtag Sports Industry Insight series. It's been a true blessing following through with you guys to our next episode.